I guess you could say another episode of Fresh Out of Fatwas. It's been a minute. It's an all new episode. All so welcome brand new episode. Back to Fresh. Brand new season. Brand new year. Happy New Year. Even though it's been three three months. Happy New Year. Right. Happy New Year. Happy Islamic New Year. Chinese New Year. I never hit the Gregorian. Islamic New Year yet, though. Well, I mean, you know, I'm calling <laughs> I mean, it out early. I mean, it's coming, going. But well. either way, I am Malika Ashabaz. And I am Anas Muhammad. And what's up, y'all? It's Jeez. been a minute. Right. Back at it again like we never left. You know, we just going to pretend that there was no hiatus. Let's talk, people. You know, hey, how are you doing? How have you been? You know what? It's been a long time, so I'm going to try to consolidate my answer for the last, you know, for the last few weeks or however long, a couple months, actually. Mm-hmm. But I've been actually doing pretty well. A lot oh, of changes, right. roller coaster. There have been some ups, some downs, a lot more ups, and I definitely want to keep them going and coming. Hey. And how are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm doing much better. I wasn't in the best space <laughs> last time, which was like literally last year. But you know what? Alhamdulillah, things have gotten better. I'm feeling better. I feel like I'm in a better space. Hey, like Feeling better is always I'm, good. I'm feeling really good for 2018. Salute. This is like my year of getting things done. Drop one of Clues Bombs for feeling good. Boom, <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to switch things up a little bit. Like, we had a format before, and it was, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was what it was. But, um... We're bringing change you can believe in. You know, we just tighten it up. We're trying to be the best best podcast we can. So basically, you know, we're going to make it. We, we have, instead of the, we had like, what, three or four sections last time? We just got two. Yeah, we got we community announcements, and then we have our main topic, and we give you the fatwas, and then we go home. Oh, we're you, still well, issuing fatwas. We, oh, we're you issuing can't get out of that fatwas one. until Definitely. we're fresh out. Facts. For facts. Facts. That's what they say facts. in Brooklyn. Because it's Brooklyn, and we deal in Brooklyn. facts. Shout out to TK and AM. All right, let's get this going. So, community announcements. First things first. <laughs> uh, last week, for anyone who was privy to the internet and the Breakfast Club and Viceland. Oh, thank uh, God for those two content creators right now. Uh, uh, DJ Envy had words. DJ Envy. Had words for Desus and Mero <laughs> on, on his show. Hey, hey, I need y'all to apologize. Y'all owe my wife an apology. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> So, um, yeah, <laughs> Desus and Miro, I'm just going to say, got ambushed on The Breakfast Club ambushed. by an angry, <laughs> angry, light-skinned fella by the name of DJ Envy. Beige. They call him Beige. Beige Rage. Because they had the Beige The Beige meter. Rage. The Beige Rage. Beige it, was rage. Like, it was like when Birdman was on there. Right. Oh, my goodness. Oh God. But, yeah, they had the Beige Rage meter. DJ Envy basically took serious offense to a joke that Desus had made in passing during a segment in which they were talking about DJ Envy and his wife's appearance on The Real. Um, and it was not, you know, not even to do a big highlight, but it was a joke that Desus made in passing when he was, DJ Envy said, I was two people. I was DJ Envy in the streets and I was Rashawn in the house. And his wife says, I and I didn't DJ know DJ Envy. Envy. And so Desus, as pretty much anybody with a comedy mind would have said in that moment, said, but you, but you knew those DJ Envy checks check. though. Now, I saw that, and I laughed. I, I died I laughing. I laughed because I was like, well. And But what did he do right after he said it? He was it? like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, though. Like, know. Like, he knew it He knew it was a joke. That was like, eh, okay. 
and they moved immediately on. DJ Envy, however, did not move on. Yo. Or he did move on, I guess, but then came back a few months later because this was months ago. Well, he moved on again at the Breakfast Club. So <laughs> it was like it was actually a month. It was one month exact to the date. Believe it or not, it was one month to really? the date to the air date. Yeah, on the one month wow. date, they happened to come on the break. And it's funny because a couple of days prior to that. I watch Jesus Amiro all the time. Me I actually too. watched that segment again. They're funny. And me and the wife were sitting there watching it again, laughing at those jokes. And it was like, I was like, I wonder, I wonder how DJ Envy feels about this. Two days later, <laughs> they were on The Breakfast Club. You and my it wife was an apology, golden. Man. So, by the way, Jesus did apologize. Multiple times. And DJ Envy seemed to get more pissed off I think about wanted, those apologies. He wanted I mean, some sort of, I don't know what he wanted. I, I don't know. I think he, he wanted some ass kissing, it. maybe. I have no I don't no know clue. what he wanted. Cause it's because like, they gave you the apology that was all this, you asked for. And DJ Envy isn't necessarily seen as like a hothead hot or, or, like, or like intimidating. So I'm not sure. Definitely not intimidating. I mean, he looks like Ted the teddy bear. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. So, like, I heard about this on Twitter before I saw the clip. And on, on one instance, like, he defended his wife's honor. You know, I wasn't mad at that. I was like, do you? I'm sorry. I... Wait a minute. Let me finish. I was like, I'm, I, you know, I wasn't mad at that. I was like, okay. But then it was like, but y'all do the exact same thing. Thank you. You do the exact same thing. And then come to find out that, you know, because, like, I didn't know the details of what happened with him and the affair. And I didn't know that he, like, went on the air and called her and apologized and that apparently uh, Erica Mena didn't know he was married. Like, yes, all this that's type what of stuff. So I was like, wait a minute. Did you, you see cre- the video? What video? The When he went on the air. And no, I haven't. So he went on. He just shows how fickle he is with the breeze. He went on the air, and it wasn't just uh, apologize to the wife. He proceeded to drag Erica through the mud. Like, he was like, I made a mistake with a nothing, a nobody, a lapse in judgment, somebody who totally wasn't worth an ounce of my time. I was like, this scorned Negro. It sounded like he got broke up with, to be honest. But, um. Hey, I don't know. It's just, it's like. But you, I, you can't be in the in, you can't first of all it's like you put yourself in this position where everybody knows your business and you went on the reel with your wife to discuss to talk cheating about like cheating. you didn't think anybody was gonna make there was commentary gonna come out of this and like, the problem with it it's not even that that bothers me but it's like the breakfast club y'all do the same thing all day worse long. even sometimes like and so you can't get mad when it, when karma comes back and says what's up I mean Jesus and Meryl their entire show is a is a is a commentary is a running commentary show right. this is all they do they could have said worse <laughs> they really were were very like, light shout out to the podcast, very light and actually did not disrespect is, your wife they clowned the shit out of you dj envy yeah, but they didn't like, disrespect your wife they really because i and guess so he to was, everybody on twitter who was like that's what a real man's supposed to do shut up I'm that's like, why all y'all it, single i was like but not, it's not that cut and dry because it's it, not it, like because I didn't get the feeling that they were implying that she was just with him for the money. No, they were saying that y- you you because to say I didn't know who DJ Envy was. It's like, but it wasn't like you didn't know who like, DJ. Like, not, like it wasn't a secret. And life. not saying she doesn't have her own streams of income. She may I don't know, but it's not like you don't know that he's out here being. He's a radio person. You've been with him since he was 15. So you know, you know so. his life. Like, you you was there when, like, DJ Envy said it himself. You was there when he had nothing. <laughs> and now he got money. I, I so, kind of feel like this is all a marketing ploy. Because, you know, Breakfast Club, Breakfast Club ratings are not too good. 
If anything, it just boosted. Just, it just helped Jesus and Mero's brand. Jesus and Mero's brand. That's what it helped. Because, because this really didn't help. This really didn't help. I was just like, what is going on? And then hearing that Erica Mena may show up on Jesus and Mero. And then the Lord. calls, the calls on the Breakfast Club right after. The I people, didn't see all that. the people who decided to, that they wanted to say, uh, you know, and Charlemagne, you wrong for this. What does Charlemagne do? Besides exactly. Laugh and instigate like That's he does it. everything. They, but, they, but they said he's wrong because he's supposed to be defending DJ Envy. I said y'all are but really taking this out no. of y'all are blowing this out of the park. Like y'all, first of all, everybody who's saying that has no clue defending about the relationship him. between right. Deuces, well, Miro, Envy, and Charlemagne. It's not like they don't know each other. You know what I mean? Right. And, and like I don't think like from seeing this, I I think. Charlemagne may have sensed DJ Envy was in a mood, but I don't think he knew that was Charlemagne literally said he had no clue what was about that that was coming. And Charlemagne said, What do you want me to do? These are my boys, that's my dude. Like, like they just, have an He a took kind of a neutral position and he followed the comedic line of it. Yeah, he laughed. Yeah, he cracked jokes, but that's what he does. DJ Envy does it too when he's not in a beige rage mood. But you know, I digress. It was just really interesting because later that evening, I guess like at night or like Meryl likes to go on Facebook live at like 2 a.m. because that's when the only time he has free time because he has all, he those got kids. all the kids Meryl one through four <laughs> <laughs> but um I guess Jesus they did like a the co-live thing you can do now right and Jesus yeah. was saying like one thing I've learned is that you have Hollywood people and you have mm-hmm. friends he said Meryl is my friend and he like, said he thought at first that he DJ said he thought Envy Dink was a friend, but after this, it shows him like, because the thing they were saying was like, if this really made you so mad, why you ain't call us? Yeah, exactly. But you called like, Joe Budden. Apparently, so DJ Envy called allegedly DJ Envy called Joe Budden prior to the prior to the Breakfast Club to tell him he was mad. Uh, yeah, and to say that he, at some point I'm gonna light up, I'm gonna light him up. Why you call Joe Budden though? Well, and then Joe Budden turned around and told Jesus and Mero, but they didn't. They still didn't know that they was gonna get ambushed at the Breakfast Club because he yeah. waited a month. See, but I didn't yeah, even if, know that. Why would cool, you go to Joe Budden? And, why wouldn't you just call him if he's your friend and you felt some type of way? You could have called him and been like, "Yo, that oh, wasn't cool." And you know what he said before that? Keep the same energy tweet. DJ Envy tweeted something like, "You know, we're cool now." But no, we're not, bro. You just got up and walked out the room. Yeah, you, you and left y'all your obviously own were interview. never cool if you waited to get on air thirty days later instead of calling them. I digress. Just beige rage handled wrong. You played yourself. I really me. thought he was going to try. I really thought that in addition to being angry, this would help Breakfast Club ratings, and it did not. So um, shout out to Zeke yeah, no. The brand is brolic. Facts. Yeah, I'm facts. I'm, Keep I'm it going. Mean, Keep that same energy. Yeah, I think they still have shows to their Brooklyn because they're you know they're doing their five borough store. So well, they going they gonna have to do two shows per borough to apologize. So, <laughs> um, next announcement. Um, just an acknowledgement. Uh, Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. In case My you didn't know, in case you didn't know, Black Panther is now the highest grossing superhero movie of all time in the United States. That's all time. Shout That's out to black time. people That's proving everybody and wrong. Slavery. Um, now I have an I have a um admission. I've only seen it twice. I'm sorry. I meant to go see it another two times. Just my schedule got crazy. I wanted to help support it and push it to breaking those. You notice how I got all quiet? Because I guess I only saw it twice, but I saw it with my wife twice, so technically I saw it four times. Well, I feel like because it's me, no, you saw it twice. (laughs) But since it's me, like, it's expected for Malika to see it. Right, it truly is. Like, Like, you should have memorized it by now. I mean, listen, I do already know. You got a a whole bunch of uh, Snapchat clips of the movie. We will not have it talk. (laughs) Okay, but um, I I, I want to give a... So, so one thing I want to talk about like that, um, there was, 
on the Muslim Twitters and the Muslim Facebooks, there oh, was yes. discussion about the first scene. Wakanda's anti-Muslim. It's anti-Islam. We need yeah, to boycott the this, movie. I was having this discussion. It was a really good discussion. It wasn't an argument. It was a discussion with um, a friend of mine. I'm glad and you had a I good was discussion. telling them how, like, you know, I when I saw it, I wasn't mad. I wasn't offended. I didn't feel like that scene casted a shadow on all black Muslim women. What I saw were Africans handling a problem in Africa like it should be. Exactly. And like even when they took off the green burqas and they had on their traditional hair wrapped from their different tribes and all that, like that didn't bother me. Now that was in the in the circles I saw where the discussion was taking place and people decided to brand Wakanda anti Muslim and say that they literally took it as far as Clearly, Muslims aren't welcome in Wakanda, and I'm like, okay, what? people and people and they're drawing assumptions. Like people just really reach, but yeah. it was basically they said that the way that they took off the abayas or whatever. How are they supposed they, to do it? Exactly. So anyway, they said the way was dismissive, and in essence, they were throwing away Islam. And I'm like, no, no, no everybody were, doesn't wear their kimar like that. And second of all, and they were it being was, forced. If you were exactly, they were being forced. So the movie logical logical reasoning would say the symbolism was that they were throwing off oppression and right. it happened to manifest itself in that scene it wasn't in like the they were naked under of, there like they had on the hair wraps they had on were their natural Af- well, not natural but their exactly. traditional so african hair wraps so basically it was a bunch of people who got mad that we that again that somebody threw off some arabian garb and rocked some african garb that's all or I because see. he said wallahi i know you know, they said they, they got first, mad at the I'm few. not going to lie. The first time I heard that, I was like, oh, God, here we go. But at the same time, it's like I've really appreciated seeing Africans in Africa helping other Africans. And also, wasn't that like kind of like realistic? I mean, aren't we coming off of the heels of missing girls? In Nigeria, isn't yeah. that like literally Didn't some a more cur- just go mi- current, some more just a, go missing? That's a current event reference. Yeah, Muslims need to stop being so fragile and taking things personally and looking to be the victim every time their name is mentioned or like every think, time Islam comes up. There's always somebody who wants to say that Muslims are being, uh, you know, demeaned or. I just defamed. think that also because I saw some people who are having actual intellectual discourse about it, and I feel like since there's such. A, a lack of representation of black Muslims within movies and televisions and more positive representation. When we see it, people get extra sensitive and True. I understand that, but it's like, at, at also you have to just for me, cause like I knew something was going to happen because someone like retweeted at me, Another sister was like, I just want to hear a Muslim's reaction of Wakanda. And I was like, oh, hell, oh Lord. What, what's going <laughs> on? And so as soon as I saw the scene, I was just like, okay. Like, all right. That's it? I was like, I don't feel bad about it. Like, But I saw it. I was like, Muslim's going to be mad. But I, I am surprised. Like, and Maybe it's just because I curate my timelines. I didn't see that much. Um, but... You know, it didn't bother me. I, I, I went ahead and hit the delete button a few times, so now I don't see it anymore. Listen, I tell you, I've curated. My I mean, the fact that I just the fact that I saw black people saying boycott Black Panther was like that, yeah. That's just what irked me. Okay? Over over that scene. Yes. Oh, no. Yes. No, I'm sorry. So, I mean, y'all can boycott Black it's Panther not. all you want to. I still plan to see it again. I'm going to pre-order the Blu-ray. Yeah, uh, I still haven't Blu-ray. watched it on bootleg. I have not watched I have it on not the internet. <laughs> I, I have only paid proud. to see it. I've um, paid twice. I dressed twice. up every time I went to see it. I don't know if y'all Absolutely. caught the pictures, but yeah. Absolutely. And speaking of those pictures, uh, 
y'all may not be able to catch those pictures of me on Facebook much longer. Um, if you are connected with me on Facebook, just a side note, follow me on Twitter at the Anas Muhammad because hashtag delete Facebook is in full effect for me. Yeah, I mean, it's time I may for me have to, to do it or at least scale down my profile. I've done I, that. I use it to keep in contact with a lot of people. I, yeah, that too. But also at the same time, I feel like the people that I actually value contacting, we might, we, we, we should definitely have other channels and forms of communication. But I'm definitely taking the next, like I say, couple of days. So by the end of next week, I might, I'll probably have deactivated. Mm-hmm. But right now, I mean, stripping all the information off of my profile is a great response, and you know, lessening my post frequency is a great response to like. Facebook's data privacy issues. However, that's not my only issue. Facebook has just kind of become a real toxic place um, a lot of times. And I never really considered it like some people consider it a waste of time because Facebook is what you make it, just like anything else. However, I just find it to be now a place where it's kind of like instead of people hanging out, it's where people's egos hang out. It's where people let their their a lot of their negative qualities kind of chill and it's where people go to seek validation in the form of tearing other people down. So I'm going to leave y'all to that because there are, I see a lot more arguments than I see discussions. I, there's a lot more destroying than there is building. So I'll be back when y'all figure that issue out. So then catch me on Twitter. And if you're not talking about anything that I value, I probably won't respond to you. I mean, that's just the point of life I'm at. Got to clean up, the content that's coming into my brain and I got to clean up the energy that's coming into my cypher so I can maintain my health because uh, everybody's worried about their own self. And so people aren't really worried about what they're putting out in the atmosphere for other people to absorb as long as they feel good and they accomplish for themselves. Mm -hmm. So yeah, lack of consideration in the world means follow me at the Anas Muhammad on Twitter. Yeah, just be careful because Twitter can have its moments too. Hey, um, hey, don't get me wrong. I didn't say Twitter was like better than Facebook. It's definitely not. At least it's Twitter just for me. It's an alternative and it's more limited. Yeah. It, you know, it has one purpose. Their algorithm tweet to me. isn't as bad. Uh, it's pretty bad. I don't. Not you, as bad as Facebook. Woo! Or Instagram. I, I, none of my posts get seen um, anywhere. I was being too too revolutionary and rebellious over the last couple um, years. My posts don't get seen anymore. Yeah. I get no love. All right, let's move along. Um. First things first, uh, rest in peace to Linda Brown. Rest in peace. Uh, for those, everyone should be familiar with Linda Brown, but if not, Linda Brown is the student who is at the center of the 1954, 1954 U.S. Supreme Court case, Brown versus Board of Education, um, when her father tried to enroll her in a school in Topeka, Kansas, and they denied her. And so he joined up with the NAACP, took it to court, and we had Brown versus Board of Education. And so um, just definitely... Uh, keeping her and her her keeping her family in our thoughts and thoughts and prayers. Um, just a reminder others. that you know people like to think that these things happened so far long ago. Um, what's the lady who Ruby? Oh, is it Ruby? What's her name? Um, Ru- I, want, I don't know why I say Ruby Davis, but she integrated. The, she was the young one that integrated the schools, and they had the, the FBI had to escort her. Um. Yeah, I can't remember her last name, but I do remember who you're talking about. And I know I'm, it's going to come to me later. I feel so bad I can remember her name. But anyway, she's still Ruby alive, y'all. She's only in her 60s. So I think it's really important that 
We're talking about Ruby Bridges. There you go, Bridges, Ruby Bridges. But she's only in her 60s. Right. You know, she's still <laughs> exactly. living. She's... A lot of people like to look at these things and say, oh, it's so long ago. No, it was only a couple of decades. Exactly. Ruby Bridges is six years younger than my mother. Like, my dad's older than Ruby right. Bridges. She was born in 1954. It was not people. that long ago. So we have they to had really. TV in 54. So <laughs> this, this mindset of like, so many things have changed. Yes, things have changed, but things have also stayed the same. Look at. The current state of public schools, especially public schools in the "quote unquote" inner cities. Oh God! And, and we can we can have the conversation about segregated and desegregated schools at a later date. But yeah. schools in general right now are in a very very poor condition. I mean, when we talk about academics and the lack of extracurricular activities, the lack of funding, the lack of results, the school no to prison pipeline, yeah. and the gun danger that's now manifesting all throughout schools across the country, like. I don't think schools are what they were once intended to be anymore in any way, shape, or form. I mean, they are literally like the closest comparison in my mind. When I talk about schools, I think the next logical thing to talk about is jails, and that's sad. Unfortunately. So, yeah, just um, rest in peace to um, Linda Brown. Please keep her and her family in your prayers. For those of us who still have grandparents and aunties and uncles who were alive during that time, talk to your family Find out what was going on so that you can learn how that affects what's happening now. You can learn what to do now. Keep the story alive, people. Yep. Um, also, rest in peace to Stefan Clark. Rest in peace. The young Stephon gentleman Alonso who Clark. was murdered in his own backyard. Murdered in his own backyard by Sacramento police um, while holding his cell phone. Hooray. Because a black man c- cannot hold anything. And it not be mistaken for a gun. A black man can be holding air. He can be holding on to dear life. And they'll mistake it for a gun. And shoot not once, twice, but, you know, 20 times. Because they don't shoot to immobilize. And it's really not about fearing for their own safety. It's about eliminating the perceived threat at that point. When you unload your gun completely and there's multiple officers. How about this? Maybe police officers should just stop chasing black men when they run at this point. If you're so scared, like, just stop chasing. Like, I don't really know at this point if there is a solution. And I know that every time this happens, we come, we get to the same point where we get to a frustrated point, really. We don't know what else to say, what else we can do. We're saying rest in peace. We're saying black lives matter. But nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. There may or may not be body cam video. We know what happened. We know the police are in the wrong. We know they won't be indicted. We know there will be no charges. So, I mean, where, like, where do we go from here, to be honest? like, I mean, honestly, I feel like it's not fair for us to be the ones that have to be burdened with the solution. Because definitely. no one's ever, no one realizes that white, the, the white supremacy affects white folks, too. Because they sure. think that they're above everyone else. And so this idea that black men are criminal, criminals, that's what they're taught. So it's not only just about us trying to convince them we're human. True. No, it's about you wet, white allies also going to your cousins and telling them, yo, y'all need to chill out. Y'all have to root out your demons. Yeah, exactly. so, like, I really kind of tried to stay away from, not stay away from it, but I didn't search the has- hashtags because I just was like, I can't. And then there was, like, a video, I think, com- the audio of the arrest came out. I said, no, I haven't I'm checked for any it. of that because I'm, I'm, I'm beyond I'm that. I did that. I, just, I, I spent a lot, a lot of time in 2014 through 2017 watching videos of 
people who look exactly like me get shot in the back or choked out or yeah. shot just shot while running or who knows like at this point I don't want to hear audio I don't want to see video I'm not really going to click on the hashtag all I need to know is the brother's name and I need some you know I just need to know where to direct my positive energy and shout out uh, to the basketball player paying for his funeral can't think of his name uh, I didn't actually know that wow yeah local uh, player in Cali or I think so let me look this up while you talk, yeah while so I mean but it, like I I mean it's just weird that we've gotten to a point where I'm running out of words for a black man getting shot by police it's the numbness that we used to discuss, the numbness that we started to feel, I didn't think that it could actually get any worse, but I think the numbness actually is not the end-all be-all. I think there's something beyond being numb, and I'm actually scared to find what that is. Um, Former Sacramento Kings player DeMarcus Cousins and Matt Barnes oh, are gonna, are, are off, have offered to pay the funeral. Shout the out funeral. to them. Yeah. Shout so shout out to everybody in Sacramento who's protesting right now. Um, shout out to the family who is staying strong while they're going through this. Shout out to DeMarcus and Matt for paying for his janazza, for his funeral. And um, I, don't, I just have no words right now. It's not that I'm numb to it. It's just like, you know, like, I don't I don't know what else to say anymore. I mean, exactly. Besides white folks, get your people. Get your people. Get your people. Because that's what it is. It's y'all. We're not doing nothing. He literally... Had his own phone in his backyard. Like, literally, y'all stop black folks for walking down the street talking about it's a Tuesday at 12 o'clock. Why are you on the streets? Because I can be. What What are you doing? I'm working. Like, that was some video I saw where they stopped this young yeah, brother. Yeah, I know what you're I saw what you're talking they about. Talked I saw with, it on and Facebook. And it was like, well, we're men work right now. So what? Like, white I'm, folks get your people. White folks get your people. I'm not a fan of, the, I mean, as usual, I haven't been a fan, and I'm still not a fan of the environment that we've cultivated that y'all have cultivated, that y'all are perpetuating, and that exists, that is a threat to me, my well-being, my family, my safety, my father, my brothers, my friends. Everybody. I mean, we got to get this shit nobody, together. No black, nobody, no black person is safe. Shout out to black people. The fact that we managed to stay in this country and we have not completely lost our minds. Exactly. Like, that's something that Henry Rollins said. He said if white people had to go through a fraction of what black people go through, they'd lose their minds. I mean, and I, I, I'm not even making light, but, I mean, some people get bullied for three weeks and shoot up their school or workplace. Uh, so black people must be the kings and queens of patience. We must be the originators of of patience. Because, good Lord, if, if oppression makes someone go postal and commit mass murder... Uh, everybody should be dead in America. Yeah. I mean, not to make light of the young black people who suffer from bullying, and um, unfortunately some of them end up taking their own lives. There was a story of a nine-year-old girl in, um, I think she's in Michigan, who has been bullied, was being bullied and took her own life. She was nine. Nine! Kids commit suicide. <sighs> nine! And commit murder these days. Nine! But... Nonetheless, um, moving right along, before we get to the main quote by <laughs> before the show, <laughs> the main um, one thing I want to bring to note, um, there is a movement going on to free a young sister from Detroit. Her name is Siwatu Salamra. You may or may not have heard of her. You probably haven't because, like, you know, black women don't get airtime. Facts. Anyway, she was recently... Um, She's 26. 
She's 26 year old mother who's pregnant, who, excuse me, was just sentenced to two years in Huron Valley Women's Prison in Michigan for waving her licensed gun, her unloaded licensed gun at a neighbor. So what happened She's was pregnant, that? Yeah. She's pregnant. And they and they and sentenced they, her to prison. Two years. So Jesus. she was visiting her mother when a neighbor ran into their vehicle in the car that she was in with her daughter and her mom. And so when she went to confront confront the person, the neighbor tried to run her over and her mom. And so she waved her unloaded gun at the person. This person is trying to run them over. Now, in case you guys don't know, Michigan is a stand your ground state. So I'm sorry, since stand your ground doesn't apply to black people, specifically not black it women. It does not, unless you're a, a, a white Latino that killed a black guy. Remember Michelle Alexander out of Florida. Shout we, out yeah. Michelle Alexander. So, um, so now as a result, she has been sentenced to two years, and there is they are fighting for her when, freedom when in did Detroit. When this incident happen? Uh, last July, so, so like a year ago. So it took six months to sentence her to prison? She got two but years. But it takes well over two years to acquit a cop for murdering a black man. She waved her gun around, and y'all decided this Unloaded, and she had a license for it. And this was after this person so tried then, to run her so over and her mother. Charge? Um... I don't know what the actual charge is, but it was for waving her license gun at a neighbor. So, I mean, but like, but yeah, the point is, like, understand your ground. Be? She should have been fine because she was defending herself, her mother, and her child. It, it, exactly. So, so I mean, but she performed no actual action except for like an intimidated she's black. action. Yeah, exactly. She's black. That's what it is. But I'm trying so, to figure out like if she was white, like if she was white, they would have been she. Uh, it would have been all of oh this brave woman defending her mother I, and her child. I definitely blah, need blah, to go blah. look into this story some more because there has to be some 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 extra details to this. If not, then I'm just kind of trying to figure out how that how the news can report a totally factual crooked event, crooked arrest, and crooked conviction, and nobody bats an eye. Like this sounds very very fishy. Like there there has to be something missing here. So yeah, if so if if you're on Twitter or whatnot, you can go to the hashtag free Sawatu. It's um F R E E S I W A T U. Um so if you if you find it, if you like go and search that hashtag, you'll see more information about it. Um a you caring campaign was launched for her to um fund a possible appeal. And so they're trying to reach seventy five thousand. I fit I think they fit twenty five thus far. Um, so yeah, just look up that hashtag on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that. And please donate, please keep this family in your, in, in your prayers. Like not only if she's pregnant, but she also has a daughter. Um, I actually know the father of her children. So this is a little personal. America, you're on drugs. Like this so, country's on drugs. Like something is seriously freaking wrong. This is not a is justice system. And she's in prison. And like the concern is like, she's going to have this child in prison. Oh. Does nobody. And the, 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 <sighs> here's the thing. Nobody gives a damn either. Like, really, truly, nobody gives a damn. There's going to be people yelling at the top of their lungs for guess how long? Probably close to two years. She's probably going to get out and people are still going to be fighting for justice. For Like, this is this is what I, the problem I have. America is real slow to move, except for when the, the, when the victim is white. Because the cop behind Noor in Minnesota who accidentally... Or whichever shot that white lady from Australia last year has already been indicted oh, and charged yeah, with murder. Yeah, he's going to jail. Yeah, he's already been charged with murder. So swift justice on that 
but when it comes to the shoe being on the other foot, there is no swift justice. So there will be no swift anything. There will be her hashtag trending for, let me not sound negative, but I'm sorry. I'm just fed up. I know I'll call it realism. Some people will call it pessimism, but this is not okay that we have to constantly be blaring the horn about situations with sound like logical miscarriages of justice. But why do we have to argue these things? Why do we have to sit here and argue that a woman who actually caused nobody any physical harm, but was trying to protect herself and her family and from physical harm was literally le- being legally, attacked with a vehicle. So he can wave a vehicle too. around. He can wave a vehicle around it and threaten people with a vehicle but she waves a handheld pistol around and she's in prison for two years Unloaded. i have middle fingers Registered. for america nothing but middle fingers for america right now so yeah convince me otherwise definitely um follow the hashtag and donate so we can get that sister out of that jail um, Facts. all right that's enough of community announcements main quote by uh <laughs> huh. so this is about a week or so ago, a video, and I've only seen the six-minute one, to be completely transparent. I haven't seen the whole thing. Same. But a video surfaced from the NRA. NRA TV, baby. Uh, yeah. Which featured Colin Noir, who is a gun enthusiast. He's a black gun enthusiast, and he's super pro-black gun ownership, whatever. Um, I shouldn't say whatever, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, anyway, um, he also supports the NRA, which baffles me um so he interviewed killer mike and they were talking about a multitude of things but the way that the nra edited it edited it made it seem as if he was against the march um March for your lives. No, no, no. He he was against the march. However, it was he, the no. He he. Did you see his response? Well, I did. Yeah. Okay, that's why I was like, I need to see the full interview, and even I'm sure the longer one, I'm sure it's still edited. Right. Exactly. But, that's uh, that's yeah. Definitely edited, and it was that plus coupled with the timing and the the again that, the way yeah, the way they tried they to do it and the timing they, they did that in that. in the past they yeah. held on to that. Um, I believe it was actually right after the shooting or right around the time of the shooting itself back in February that they did the video. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until what the day after the uh, March for Our Lives that it was released, I believe. Or was it the day after or the day before? It was, it was right time. around that time. It was period. around that time. So it NRA was definitely, you know what I mean? The NRA in TV. So the NRA's media wing, who apparently has funds to just do whatever the hell they of want. Of course they do. They got money. Okay. But yeah, they knew what they were doing here. They knew what they were doing in setting up their apparently black focused new media push where they have a, uh, I mean, I guess they're getting on the same wave that all these other media companies are with their, you know, their media spots and their videos and their let's get a rapper to answer questions about social issues. And yeah, so the NRA's first use of a black figure speaking, I guess, positively or in their talking points um, was used as a weapon, was weaponized um, immediately. Yeah. And where did the vitriol go to? Who received the response? Of 
course, the blackface in the video. It wasn't the NRA that received the backlash, really. I don't even know if Colin Noir got that much. Well, cause Colin Noir, he's, he's already been written off. That's yeah. why. They already wrote him off, you know. Yeah. But Killer Mike, I saw as the recipient of the main vitriol and anger. People were very upset with Killer Mike uh, for several reasons that seemed, some of them, far misplaced. Obviously, especially given his response in which he clarified his positions on things like the march. Yeah. But it is important to understand from the get-go, Killer Mike is pro-gun. Killer Mike is pro-gun ownership, and he is very pro-black gun, gun ownership. ownership. Yes. He is not necessarily, he's not pro-NRA. He's never claimed to be pro-NRA. He is simply pro-Second Amendment. Right. So his stance is, is, is not necessarily like hard to understand how he ended up in a video spot for the NRA, it's just one could say that uh, maybe he had a lapse in judgment there, or maybe he forgot who maybe and what the NRA like it was is. Colin Noir, and they actually they know each other, I think. Right. He felt like it was gonna be. Right. I mean, there are a lot of reasons for why he could have done it, and I mean, it's not really for us to question anymore. And he doesn't really have to explain himself in that regard. Um, I feel like him coming out of his way to defend, or not defend, but explain his positions further was actually him doing people a favor. Because, again, I feel like given the whole climate and all the parties involved, I think the last person who should have had to apologize is Killer Mike. I think Killer Mike is owed an apology. But, I mean, let's get into the meat of it all. Because what, other than what the the, the way it was presented and packaged by the NRA, what was actually wrong? with what killer mike said like what are what other problems do people have other than what was cleared up by killer mike i think there needs to be a real discussion on what gun control and what gun reform is gun reform does not necessarily mean they're going to take your guns but it does say that there needs to be some sort of stricter um process for people to get freaking AR-15s, but, but you know? I mean, so as, as an owner of one, here's the thing. I understand that, and I, I, I just kind of want to ask this question, and I've been asking this question a little bit lately on social media, but I really need an answer to this question. I am in support of stricter regulations when it comes to, you know, the process of purchasing weapons. Definitely. I do agree that... You know, uh, for example, I agree with raising the the minimum age from 18 to 21. I do agree with stricter background checks. I do agree with psyche valves. I do agree with a lot of these, with most of these things that are considered reform. Mm -hmm. However, I do not agree with the sentiment that these measures will re will reduce occurrences of incidences of mass shootings and violence this is true. that is where i'm lost yeah I that is what's lost on me because the problem we already are faced with if nobody if there was no more guns created as of this very moment right now we still have more guns than people in this country so i mean i understand okay so today's 16 year olds won't be able to buy a gun in two years as a result of if if reform passes that's a good thing i guess but at the same time that doesn't really help I mean, most most peop most black people in Chicago probably can't legally buy a gun, but I'll bet you they got one. So I mean, yeah. what exact like, how do we? That's what I'm saying. Like, how do we actually fix the problem of the fact that there is more guns than people? I mean, because that's there where... needs to be a discussion on the history of guns in this country, the history of history of violence in these countries, because the march itself was 
was about gun violence, right? And so there does need to be discussions on gun violence, but when you're talking about communities of color that have crime, why do they have these crimes? It's not like it's just we ain't got nothing to do, but some of them don't have anything to do. So why aren't there resources? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a part of it. When you're talking about school shootings, the fact of the matter that is always primarily white males doing these, whether it's school shootings or other American terrorist attacks. Or most mass shootings, period, across the, the history of the United the bigger, States. White men, it's been 98% white, white men. White men are the biggest terrorist threat to America. Hands so, down. I think there has to be discussion on it's more than just making it harder to get guns. People are going to get guns regardless. Exactly. You know, so their discussion needs to happen. Well, what's going on in this in our society that is even putting that like, but look at the way America was founded off of violence. America, America, you know? like exactly. This country's got like if you you can look up a list of the mass shootings in the United States, and the earliest one was probably in like the eighteen hundreds. Like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of you know, massacres of Native Americans are considered some of the first mass shootings. So that probably was when they got off the boat. I, I mean, then shooting. again, there was probably mass shootings when they got off the boat to kidnap us. So right. I mean, but the thing is, like, but then there's also this fear that's created in this country, like that article you sent me about Remington losing stock or whatever. Their sales have gone down uh -huh. because Trump is in the office. So now these people literally feel safe because with Obama, they thought black folks were going to come in and steal their guns. Like, but what rhetoric, what are what mindset is created that, see, I had another thought that went through my mind that. <laughs> it's okay. Take your time. Take but your time. The, you have to look at the rhetoric that is created and in terms of just white, there was a video that was done by somebody that talked about white people always having their guns because they're always afraid. Really? Of situations that they created. I got to find that, but it's Was funny. it a white person that made the video? I don't know. It was one of these. I don't know if it was like now this or attention. Oh, okay. I got to find it, but it was a little animated video that talked about like the history of America and guns. And it, it was funny, but it, it talked about how it's always white folks scared of the people that they are, that they've imprisoned or have disenfranchised or enslaved. That's a fact. And I really do think there is this mindset like within some of these militias where they're really thinking black folks are going to come in and try to start a war. Like, I mean, definitely. I watch really a lot of videos that, that send, I've, I actually believe it or not, spend a lot of time on YouTube watching videos that document a lot of these various like hate groups, right wing groups, militias. Um, and yeah, a lot of them have some real based fear. Now that it, literally, if you just take the time to watch, you realize that they are literally the opposite side of our coin where they're being fed misinformation by another source to fuel a certain agenda. Guess what? The gun lobby and gun manufacturers will support an agenda to fuel sales in their favor to, to boost their bottom line. I want that is not far-fetched. To go join the NRA. I want all black people to at least get a gun. I bet you if if black people, I bet you, not even during the NRA, if black people started in the states where they can applying for CCWs. Um, control carry, I mean, concealed carry. Yeah. I bet you rules will change so fast. I would like to see that just <laughs> off just off of so a fast. social experiment standpoint. standpoint I would actually support such a push. So fast. You know, it's like people don't know that there are actually like, what is it, the Ida B. Wells Gun Club? 
the, there's the Ida B. Wells Gun Club. There is the NAAGA, National like African American. I'm a member of the National African American Gun Association. I think if 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 we started to boost our membership in these gun organizations, life with the NRA would disband. They would all become anti-gun real quick. Oh yeah, like because that's need what it's to, about. About like black people to... need to understand who the actual change makers and influencers like, are of policy in the I United States. I watched these videos and some of these people. Like there was a video of um. Excuse me, some dude, I can't remember the church is. I think I saw it on Desus Merrill too. But the, the Church of Guns, the AR fifteen church. Yeah. It was Desus and Merrill that you saw. And it. they appear like, I believe I need this gun to protect myself from who? They believe that the gun was, was a godsend. Who but the thing is that you need protected from Oh, I, I I did deeper research. The devil actually. Oh. They believe that the that criminals and the criminal element, aka black people and Mexicans basically, are a manifestation of the devil. That's what that's that's what that 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 uh, Sean Moon. That, yeah, there you go. That's what Sean he. Moon. That's what. That's what his. I just that's think there, there needs to be preaches. actual real discussion on what gun control, what gun reform is, and because I really don't. I think a lot of people just think people who are pro gun reform and 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 not pro gun reform. I think a lot of people think it's just just. Cause that's what I hear a lot of Colin Noir saying, like they're gonna strip me of my constitutional right. That's not what that's people not, are saying. That's, that now again, that's, as that's, a pro, I'm a, I'm pro gun, but, but I'm also pro regulation because I understand that there's no gun vacuum that's gonna run around. There, this, this, there's this, but there is, as I said, organizations like the NRA utilize media to stoke the fear of a gun confiscation. Of door-to-door gun seizures. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember the NRA video from last year that Dana Loesch put out, where she said they stoke fears, they this, they that, and they use their president. And it was kind of just this dark theme-toned video that makes it ultimately sound to the poor white, quote-unquote, disenfranchised American that, oh no, there is a force getting ready to come strip me of. What they feel gives them their only protection from the biggest threats in the world, niggers and Mexicans. Furthermore, they know that the police won't do anything. So like in Charlottesville, there's a video of a man turning around and shooting at a group of black people. I saw, yep, he shot. And the police did nothing. It took, uh, several mo- nothing. it took several months for him to finally get arrested. And he only got arrested because of a petition, a, a petition online. Pressure. And it t- And hold on, the community, YouTube identified this dude, yeah. sent his address to the police and everything. Like they, you know, you know how the internet is these days. Yeah. Internet identified this dude, sent the video of the incident like look here's a picture of this dude in hd firing a gun at a crowd of people in charlottesville and police in the background of the video just kind of like well i ain't hear nothing so i mean we we live in like a like it's interesting donald trump has done one good thing and i can't believe i'm actually saying this he has really brought this pimple of fake news propaganda and the fact that everybody every different group in america is receiving a different message everybody's reading a different version of the same story and nobody's reading an unbiased factual version so while you have this element scared like you have black people who are scared of black people because they watch certain certain news outlets you have black that's why you have different people in every group to if you zoom out and look at all these groups you realize they all are scared of it's almost like a revolving door of fear because okay where can we stop this cycle of fear technically it can't stop because it's all manufactured so so just to bring it back 
Bring it, yes, please bring Killer it back. Mike. You know me, Killer Mike. We, 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 <laughs> the ir- the irony so, of the dude whose name is Killer. Killer Mike. I said, like oh, dog, like God. y'all 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 could have done so way better. After seeing the video and then seeing his response and just knowing how people edit videos, do I think he was wrong? Not necessarily. No, I don't. I don't. Um, I think it was edited in a way to make it seem like he was against the march. To make it seem like he is completely uh, against anything pro-gun reform. And so when he came out and he put out his explanation, I think it it cleared a lot of things up. And for those of us who have been following Killer Mike, none of this was new. Not at all. It's not new. So when I saw the six-minute clip, I was like, just being a filmmaker, I was like, okay, this is edited. Um, I was just, I just was like, why would you go? I understand wanting to have conversations with both sides and having intellectual discourse, but this is the NRA and you know, white folks are going to take our words and try to flip them and say, see this black guy thinks this March is bad. Too. Like, no, like he said it all. Like he got, he said, I support you young people. If I that was an article, it would have said, see, even Negroes think this is a bad idea. So, like, um, <laughs> I just, I want to see, I don't know if the longer version is unedited. I highly doubt it. But um, I'm sure you won't find a raw version at all. Oh, I highly doubt it. But I just really want to encourage people to really just, um, I know it's like it's a very touchy topic now, um, especially with um the continuation of school shootings that just keep happening, like every five minutes. But I think it's really important that people actually look up what gun reform is, what gun control is on both sides, whether it, you're for it or against it, <clears throat> because you have some people that you know a lot of people think gun control is just taking all the guns away and that's not what's going to happen. That's not what's going to happen. For black people in this country, if police still have guns, then mm, we... we and, mm. let, and let me just like clarify like my standpoint real quick just because I've had people ask, so I want to just say it for the record. I'm pro-gun. I'm a gun owner. I'm yeah. proud of it. I do support the Second Amendment. I do support gun reform because I do not see the necessity of civilian ownership of high velocity firearms. However, while they are accessible, I'll have one while my enemy has one. So I, again, I do support reform. However, I do not explicitly and did not. And I will explain why support March for our lives. I support the idea of the March. Of course I support change. I support movement. I support Anybody, you know, giving themselves a goal and a purpose and a cause mm-hmm. and going out and, 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 and trying to work towards that. However, me personally, my, my gripe with March for Our Lives ultimately comes from their manifesto and their demands. Their bullet points of demands, I don't know how many people have actually looked into their manifesto, goes a little bit deeper than just gun reform. Um, and those are things that uh, give me... a. a make me a little bit weary i'm big on things like data privacy one of their manifesto demands is to change privacy laws to allow mental health care providers to communicate with law enforcement that's not good that opens the door for the continued persecution and profiling of minority groups specifically what that means for those who aren't who who aren't understanding that that means that if you were to go to a a therapist and tell them that sometimes you just feel like i don't know strangling your boss guess what they want them to be able to tell the police that you said that you want to strangle your boss or shoot shoot something like there is no actual granular 
First of all, opening up privacy laws for healthcare professionals is a bad idea, period. Second of all, this is very open-ended because it doesn't say anything about guns. It just says let How many health- bullet points are there? There are one, two, three, four, six, seven, oh my God. eight. Eight bullet points. That's it. Oh. So the eight bullet points real quick are ban semi-automatic weapons that fire high-velocity rounds. Ban accessories that simulate automatic weapons. Establish a database of gun sales and universal background checks. Change privacy laws to allow mental health care providers to communicate with law enforcement. Close gun show and secondhand sales loopholes. Allow the CDC to make recommendations for gun reform. Raise the firearm purchase age to 21. Dedicate more funds to mental health research and professionals. And also... This is another point that I don't agree with. Their final point: increased funding for school security and armed. Yeah, no, okay. Do not. This is not. This is why I said, and people said, people said I was wrong for saying this. March for Our Lives has to had had to be about white kids and suburban schools and white students because black students do not. Black people cannot, should not, and better not support increased armed presence of police in schools because we know who the main who are who the who's going to be on the receiving end of the profiling who's going to be on the receiving end of that added security and policing who's going to be on the receiving end of that metal detector wand i'm not saying that it shouldn't happen Hmm. what i'm saying is that this is not a good precedent on which to start trying to ensure security of schools especially when like i said it's clear that minority students were not taken into account here and changing privacy laws uh, that's a, that's that's something else entirely that makes that that makes one that is why people who have this almost irrational fear of they're coming to take our guns mm-hmm. it's things like that that give them reason to go that far this is that's a sensational bullet point i mean we know that a lot of times all these marches are based off of something that happened to white children but i will give credit to some of these young people who have recently been vocal shout out to the young naomi who the 11 year old naomi dropping a clues bombs um, naomi boop, boop, boop. well that's wrong <laughs> <laughs> but i will Let's say drop a that dance hall some bomb. of the other from the group the parkland group i think it's no something msd oh my memory marjorie stoneman douglas high school what do you what are you looking yeah, for but a name the of a group student that emma gonzalez is co-founder of so their group they actually, uh, one of the founders, I think, one of the young people actually was somewhere else that he was speaking about how the lives of African Americans are not seen as important in the media. So some that of these was younger David people. David Hogg, um, and I have my personal you said what? That was David Hogg who was giving that speech. Okay, well, maybe he's not. I don't know their names. I'm sorry, y'all. It's a lot going on. It's, all I know is Emma but and David. But I, I will say, like, none of that surprises me. So, like, I'm not against the march. You know, like, they had the New York version here, and... I'm going to be honest, I didn't go, not because I don't support it, but I come from a family of people who have protested and have picketed and do all those type of things. And I feel like the for some people, they need the march. They need to be in that area of light and that energy. So for some people, it's good. But yeah. for those of us who have been through that, it's like it's time to mobilize after that. Me personally, I'm one you of know, those people so, who's ready to mobilize. Marching, you know, I, I, my feet are tired. And not only that, but I, you know, also give a, a, a kudos to the young black children who went, who had signs like, you know, y'all wasn't marching for us, but go ahead, sis, do your thing. Shout out to black people like, who are never afraid to be black and you know, will and always who are speak for calling us. Calling our, our, our 
bringing that to the attention that like yeah when it comes to us these conversations don't happen so um i mean and this conversation is this is just the tip of a very complicated large iceberg because the gun problem i mean it took us a couple hundred years to get to this point in the problem and it's likely to take just as long for us to get out of this problem you have people who constantly point at japan and australia and people like to make this false claim that australia changed their gun laws and had no more mass shootings it didn't exactly happen like that what happened was australia actually devoted a lot more resources to universal health care in australia and providing yeah, adequate like mental health care that's the thing that needs to happen like you know i give kudos to the young people for marching because that comes from doing your homework and seeing how change was starting this country Facts. started with marches. So that's cool. But I think there also needs to be a study of why these mass shootings keep happening. Exactly. Because these a lot of these mass shootings are are a product of white male privilege. And because these boys be can go and shoot up stuff and will get taken to Burger King and then we'll get taken to probably a very plush jail. Exactly. And you then there I'm also saying? needs to be a conversation about how many of well, no, I'm not not about how many of because we already know that 98 percent of mass shooters are on antidepressants at the time they commit the act of their mass shooting. And that's not a part of the conversation either. Right. Seems that a lot of angles that should be being discussed are not being discussed because everything automatically gets drowned out by the gun conversation, by get rid of guns and nobody going to take my guns away. What we need to be talking about is what exactly is clicking in people's brains that they decide, okay, I'm having a bad day. 30 plus people got to die. Yeah. Like that, that the guns aren't the problem technically. How about like, let's be real guns. We can have 300,000 guns laying around one school. Nothing's going to happen if nobody's in the mental space to want to make something happen. We need to be focusing on mental health, mental stability, and giving people a space in which they can thrive and giving people a space in which they feel comfortable dealing with their issues or seeking help for issues that they have internally instead of seeking to express themselves in a way that we see how some people are choosing to express themselves america get your shit together like we're stop having like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again even though it's producing no results like expecting different results, expecting yeah. different results specifically we're we're ha- we keep every time there's a mass shooting we cry about guns and clearly that's not working we need to be talking about other things we need to be marched Okay, marching is fine, but we need to be devoting resources and energy to other solutions as well, not we just those. gun reform. I think we need. We those. need, like I said, not just gun reform, but we need to be. Again, there needs to be every time I find I find it funny, Malika. You and I always come back to discussing mental health. Mm-hmm. That is like the linchpin of pretty much every. Because what happens? The one thing that everybody does is think. The one thing that under underlines underscores every event in society and in history is somebody thought before they did it. So we need to figure out what is going wrong in thought processes that make people act in the way they do. And I mean, again, long conversation. And I really hope that, you know, I'm saying this can be the conversation that opens doors for some people. Um, But once that door is open, we need to hold that door open and have real conversations. I got babies, people. Yeah. You know. So, So, yeah. Shout out to those young folks. Shout out to the young people. And uh, shout out to Killer Mike and middle finger to the NRA because y'all ain't never going to change. And so, all right, this is running. I told you we're going to go over. Hey, look, it's all good. I'm ready for my, I got my fatwa. Let's go. Fatwa. Let's go. 
What's your fatwa? Thou shalt buy guns, teach your kids to respect guns, and every black person should register with the NAAGA, National African American Gun Association. Okay. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> I, Sheikh Malika, hereby decree that you should go go and do your research on all these issues, whether it's gun control, gun reform, um, the sister Suatu looking at mental health. Free do Suatu. your research. Do your research before you put pick a side, because a lot of times you'll find out that you can't pick a side <laughs> because it's Facts. not that it's not as clean as you think. So, um, that's my fatwa. Do some research. Do your googles. Do your libraries. Drink your water. Drink your water. Mind your business. Where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at the Anas Muhammad. T H E. A-N-A-S-M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. And you can find me um, everywhere. Malika Creates. M-A-L-I-K-A-H-C-R-E-A-T-E-S. And I have an announcement. Oh! I have an announcement. So, um, pull this up right here. Uh Uh-oh. Don't know what you guys are doing April 14th, but if you are in New York, Uh then you need to come to the Hijabi Chronicles program, which is called Let Me Tell You. Muslimas in 2018. It is a program full of beautiful black Muslim women. And guess who's hosting? Guess who's hosting? That is us. That's that is us. Right. You and got. Was the, it's the only only brother on the on the. Hey, I'm the only. On the, hey, I'm so and I'm so honored to be like the only brother on the bill. The only period. One. Because I'm feel about, so I honored. This was for sisters only. I'm like no. No, nah, like, no, nowhere do we say that. We don't do come. the segregated mosque thing. Brothers can come. Brothers, Brothers can are come. welcome in attendance. Brothers, you should come. Brothers, come, you should come. I'm very honored to you be the only man on the okay. bill because I'm very honored to be able to give to be given this opportunity mm-hmm. to honor all of these. Awesome, talented sisters. So, brothers, come on out. It's going to be a lot. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be some eligibles up in there. um, April 14th from 7 to 10 o'clock at the Malcolm X and Dr. Betty Shabazz Memorial Educational Center up in Harlem. So, yeah, please come through. It's going to be great. Make sure you get your tickets. Um, Get them now. You can go to Eventbrite and look up the Hijabi Chronicles Presents expression of resistance or just look up hijabi chronicles yep just look up hijabi and chronicles and it'll it. come up um you can buy tickets early but i think you can also take at, at the, the door. door yeah but um come hang out with us say what's up have fun come see fresh out of fatwa's live live wow all right well that's it y'all it's been real it's been real we will see y'all next week happy to be back with you but yeah. we out peace peace <laughs>